As someone who came out in the late 90s, I am often awed at how quickly the landscape has changed for queer folk. We went from not being able to marry, legally transition, or even get protection from discrimination when accessing basic services like healthcare and housing to people who had most of those rights in Western countries. As I see those hard-won rights being stripped away, I'm often feeling alone in my memories of the battle days, a political apocalypse for queer people, a moment when we were legally second-class citizens, a time that many of us did not manage to survive. This memory and acute awareness of what is at stake in sometimes complicated political fights is shared with the artist Aurelia Teodora Moll as they talk about the fragility of the nation state, historical lessons, and how all of this show up in their art. What is your name? Aurelia Teodoro Moll. Fiodora is the English pronunciation. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, they, and in German, see, they, so they with, with a D. <laughs> you were an artist uh, at Visible, the yes. of Trans Joy. How did you find out about it and get involved? I don't really remember. Pro, it was pro, it probably had to do with the, the group Vienna, or them, or somebody I know from them, probably. And yeah, or or it was trans, not transex. Um, tra the f one film pro project that has been like trying to go since a year. I don't know name right now, but yeah, I, I, uh, you could say I had my sources and thought, yeah, totally. <laughs> and did you mention Doodle Group? Mm -hmm. Yes. Can you tell us what Doodle Group is? So, Doodle Group is an Instagram account slash um, Discord server uh, from uh, Vienna-based co uh, convention nerd and queer artists. So, it's based around the uh, anime convention scene, but of course, uh, if you're queer or artist and stuff, the Venn diagram is like pretty neat together, so it's a good mi mix uh, mashup. And yeah, the group itself, is, main purpose is uh, networking and also uh, supporting artists. So there, there are meetings when they are organized, but also like you can tag them in. If you're part of it, you can tag them in your Instagram story and they will share your Instagram story. And yeah, just neat little thing. Um, so I wanted to read mm -hmm. uh, your description in the pamphlet for mm -hmm. uh, Visible Weekend of Trans Touring. So your description says, I have always been a creative mess. Yes. As a child, I spent a lot of time daydreaming and making up stories. A high school later, I began to actively write stories. 
these gave me first motivation to draw and to learn to draw better. Mm -hmm. Doodles on the school desk became concept drawing of these drawings of vehicles, and those became pencil drawings until I started drawing digitally over a year ago. Additionally, I have been active on YouTube for about three years now. First, I made AMVs, and from one sketch piece arose a whole series of interviews and visits from my character, Dr. Play. Yes. Meanwhile, I also stream on Twitch and have so many characters and ideas that sometimes my head explodes. But now I'm here to, and happy to present you re readers three of my art pieces. Yes. <laughs> so I loved these art pieces. And can you tell us a bit about this world in your head mm -hmm. of stories and characters? Yes. Uh... Well, it's a bit complicated, but I think that's also a bit of the charm, at least for myself, because it keeps me entertained. Because if I'm not entertained with my own own, own stories and idea, why do I have them? <laughs> um, because I, I'm not making money with much money with it, certainly. So uh, maybe first, the let's mention first the writing. The writing was like kick-started basically because I saw um, competition for from uh, I'm from a local uh, shopping center mm -hmm. they had like organized in this uh, nearby city um, cr cr crime week so crime story uh, crime stories and they had you should write a short story you had like a half a page and from that you should write further and I was like 12 or 13 and I sent it in and under 50, uh, 50 stories that were sent in I was chosen third place so that started my head with short stories and but but like everything I do it's not like a continuous work mm -hmm. but like short brackets where I do it really really intensely and obsess about it until I'm just done or get abstracted and yeah that's like basically the story of uh, the Swallowers universe so that's my main writing that developed over the years and it's basically since seven years six let's say six years that I'm like, yeah, just one more story and I have my first anthology finished. Or I just need to finish that up and it ended up that I have like 20, uh, 20 or more finished stories from two pages to one is 65 word pages, which are all in this uh, fictional, um, fictional science fiction universe so it's based on ours but like way in the future and stuff and all from space opera to horror, cosmic horror everything every idea who's so, dr plate uh that's in our universe <laughs> <laughs> so that's the right expect and now to the other thing with youtube and which most active right now that's i don't know murder train productions basically which is my fake uh, production firm and they're 
You have uh, me. What's it called? Murder. Murder Train Productions. Murder Train Productions. Yes. Okay. Uh, really dumb name. <laughs> dumb but fun name. Uh, yeah, and there, I have like once me a fiction half fictionalized version of me Ori. Uh, then there's Aurelian, which is which is a demon. Um, or better said, a demon with just a floating head and magnificent hair who started off as the original persona for the channel and stuff but turned is now like uh, the lead for Twitch, the presenter or uh, pinch avatar and Dr. Plague is a quirky plague doctor who thinks he's doing a children's show called uh, the quick travelogue where he goes around and shows, pe uh, shows people slash children on the internet's uh, interesting places and or, and or people so yeah that was a long tangent <laughs> yeah. and what do you draw from to kind of make some of these characters? Mm -hmm. Are you drawing like just from some of the influences mm -hmm. and, and combined with things in your imagination? Yeah. Or yeah. How do you come so, up with this? So like with Aurelian was like um, the original channel was AMV, so anime music videos and I started it because I thought I, I, I was still in like a bit of a metal purist face and mm -hmm. I just wanted to have more metal in AMVs and good uh, good music videos at conventions and so on so I started with him as a persona because I have a bit of marketing experience slash I'm a bit dumb uh, a bit dumb in that case that I start world building mm -hmm. and so yeah that Aurelian had a lot of metal influences and like um, light horror but also comedy it's the focus is always more in comedic uh, because of, I know the world is already pretty dark and grim and it's, you and I think it's more entertaining <laughs> be, be, uh, if there are a few jokes even if it's like some 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 story about some dark thing that happened in history it's easier to understand I think if I can laugh about it um, so that and Dr. Plague, uh, one influence was that a friend of mine has a Plague Dr. Cosplay, which is like all out of metal and, and everything he made himself with like uh, garbage. And so it gave me a idea into Plague Doctor. And yeah, over Corona, I made a mask and then it first lockdown and then whole character started just happening hmm. and yet and yeah I would say of course influences like uh, one one influence uh, for once uh, with Dr. Plague you have a lot of comedic influences like all the comedy I like like um, Monty Python yeah classic um, Maybe a bit of community or just general like um, improvisational comedy and stand-up stuff because like the character is sometimes I have really tight scripts 
but then especially with interviews i have to be like okay i have to get something out of the people and react to them and their stuff and that's more improv and yeah it basically just happens out of my head and I'm just really interested in history and also movies and literature even if I'm like mostly watching YouTube video essays because I don't know my brain works like that so yeah <laughs> it's a mess what, what has it meant for you to have a community of like other queer artists around you like how has that shifted mm. your process so first of all having queer friends and queer community is like what brought me to the realization that I'm queer and getting into the community. I'm from a small village in Burgenland and till I was 18 I wasn't really outside of the village for long and so it took me a lot of time to start getting to know myself and not what I thought was myself so it's a whole process and our people helped with that so uh, so like um, in school I was like I thought I couldn't really draw and it was shit and everything uh, and but then I then with um, the later gymnasium years I I got and we got a teacher who was an artist herself, was relatively young and she was the first who were like taught me taught me stuff like how to hold a pen uh, or just give or give us some a bit of theory or just give me motivation and that's like really something a bit mind-blowing that maybe it wasn't bad but nobody had connected helped me connect the dots in my brain and the same thing is with queer friends and artists or queer or not because they just showed me world or gave me tips or just were there and listened or said yo your things look good and yeah as an artist the worst thing is you're your own worst critic mm. and this won't stop it may it only gets worse because you get to know you get more skill and feel like you have more skill so you want more out of what you're working and yeah <laughs> it gets a lot a lot of times in the yeah. myth of an artist they yeah. talk about the isolation being part of the process mm -hmm. do you think coming up in this small town in Bergenland do you think that that was uh, somewhat what was necessary yes. to sort yes. of like create this like whole world of yes. imagination yeah that goes for both worlds totally because uh, in the end my art, like every artist, your art is a manifestation of your mind so it's all, not only the crazy ideas but also uh, your past experience and trauma it is certainly things that influence it. Uh, the best example would, would, for that would be um, one, of the, uh, one of the drawings I had in the exhibition that was uh, do the evolution, which was like a rage drawing, you could say, in which I, um, in which I worked through my emotions. I got while viewing a video about 
the uh, the uh, upstairs bar, which was a queer bar in New Orleans, which burned down in 1937. Mm. Uh, and yeah, in the video they talked about, uh, the, the YouTuber talked about the whole history of the bar, but also what happened and especially what happened afterwards, because that was like the worst thing, because uh, the media and the people around them just just made the victims of this ar arson attack. I have to say it was an arson attack. Uh, made them enemies because they got basically outed as queer, mm. and and basically which and the media and everybody basically wanted to start a witch hunt about these deviants. And yeah, I were so I worked this the story in a painting with some other things like the it's called do the evolution because it's also based on the paul cham song do the evolution which is basically about um man and uh, humanity and how it has always uh, as it always consu uh, cons consumed everything in its path and yes and also death bang a music video with a nice character, a nice uh, personalization of death, which I used as like in in the front of the of the uh, actually fireplace burning. I put like this personalization of death from the music video, which is like an iconic post, which is like uh, doing finger guns, which is first like reference to the video, but also like a bit of uh, Distraction because uh, the character is clear, clear lines, everything, while the burning of the building is a bit more abstract. So you look, so you will, I think, nurture. You will look at the foreground, not in the background, which is also one thing. In with this whole story was, uh, you could say when the public turned to the victims because they were queer, they forgot. Uh, they forgot that the background for all this what happened is because uh, a drunk prob uh, possibly uh, possibly gay or close to the gay man in was kicked out and then and then set uh, and then set the place on fire and people died people burned to the death because uh, or had to jump out of windows the first floor window to save themselves. So people, it wasn't just like, oh, there's a fire, everybody got out. No, many people, many people were hurt, many people were died, I think, I, let's say many. Uh, and all, and probably everybody and the whole community behind that, not only the people who were there at the moment, were probably traumatized for their whole life. So, yeah, but this over in that moment in history, it was all in the background because ooh, look at those queers. We we must uh, we must make it public and get them out of our society because they are queer. How do you think, think that things have changed? Like? Um, things have changed, but I think especially in Austria. Uh, or at least in the West, or even the West, uh, Western 
world, you could call it like that, Western societies, we are leaning too much on the laurels. We are saying, yeah, we have rights, you can marry, you don't have to hide anymore. But then you look at what, what progress has been made in queer laws over here because there's like this one group who at least for the EU makes an index and shows how much a country uh, did for queer rights just with with simple colors and like uh, in the year 2022, 2021 well, yeah, it was last year so it must have been the result of 2021 uh, Montenegro did uh, did uh, is did more for queer rights than most European states, which is like absurd, especially if you have like some knowledge of the Balkans and so on. Like Austria, one law that I like to get out of one fact is uh, in Austria, uh, you are protect legally protected. Uh, based on your sexuality. So if somebody like hit you or would fire you because of your sexuality, this would count as a hate crime, which is good. But there are no so such laws for gender. So what this, and what this means is not only that if you're trans or something, no, like if you're a woman, you go on the street, some guy knifes you because he hates women, that's not a hate crime. That's a stabbing, but not a hate crime. Which means that in the eyes of the law, this will go our ways. And uh, you think Austria is a safe country for queers or general people who are marginalized in societies. So basically everybody who's not a cis white male. Uh, but no, it's not. It's yes, we did strides in the last year, in the last 30 years, but it's not enough. We have to do, and the government hasn't been helping, like we saw with the gender clutter, uh, channel lawsuit recently. So, yeah, I'm historical pol and politically interested, so I like to point at these facts, and I get really worked up about these facts. So, yeah. At least two art pieces went into this. That's the horror yeah. element yeah. of kind of like our existence right now a little bit. Is that there's always this undercurrent yeah. that things could go catastrophically wrong. Yes. And there's a limitation to yeah. what kind of legal cover we will be given. Yeah. yeah. My father is from Zagreb. So he was 19 when he came from Croatia to Austria, not speaking were, were German. He had, he told me he had German school, but everybody was like, what, <laughs> what do I need that for? But mm -hmm. yeah, I got basically a uh, uh, Yugoslavia slash uh, system, system state collapse baked into my identity, into my whole life. So I, so yeah, like you said, it can get worse. And most people, I don't want to be too neg negative because there are still cis, uh, procedures in place that help that the society doesn't, or society, or at least the political landscape, doesn't turn too sour. 
but there are too many presidents, the presidents, uh, president cases in the last year. Like uh, the gender lawsuit was result of um, a Supreme Court brief in which from 2017, in which said yes, uh, not only inter people can say they are diverse or say their gender and stuff we don't have to choose between men and women mm. and the Austrian state slash the Ministry of Interior has basically ignored the Supreme Court brief till today until uh, a few months ago up till till a group of activists sued the state based on that precedent uh, based on that precedent because the state actively said they either ignored it or said no. So basically, uh, you, we had now six years of a Supreme Court brief that was actively ignored by the uh, ministry or, or ministries even. So that shows a bit that's like a strong precedent, I think, for both sides. Like, it's cool that the this, uh, that the lawsuit was won in favor of the acti activist groups and I hope we will relatively soon see some bureaucratic changes but it also shows that how much basically those, those who are currently in the seats where they should actually do that care or how much the Supreme Court has power at the moment I know it's from country to country a bit different, but in, but I think in all in Austria you should at least think that if the Supreme Court says yo that's, that's what it that is. this is what it is that you should do it like yeah that's like logical the Supreme Court is there for case, constitutional cases and if the in this case it's a your constitution says it's yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I'm very familiar <laughs> with is that a law can say something, yeah. but for certain segments of the population, there isn't an equal treatment under the law yeah. as the law is written. Yes. Specifically within the American context, there were certain laws that were written um, with the understanding that certain populations yeah. would be excluded from yeah. the protections of that law. Um, and that system was even codified into yes. Jim Crow. I know. You yeah. know, this was this this has happened and we yeah. saw this happen uh, with women as a class, with people of color as a class, black people specifically yeah. as a class, and so on. So now we're seeing it in the Western context to happen with this concept of um, gender and also with the concept of sexuality. Yes that those people are being systemically excluded from protection under the law. Yes. And so you have this thing where we're trying at least in some ways to get the law mm -hmm. to say certain things that we needed to yeah. say. But at the crux of it, the law is only a piece of it, right? Yes. And you know that also coming from a small town in yeah. Bergenland. I mean, the law is this abstract thing. Yes. What really matters is how are people going to treat you? Yes, exactly. Uh, because with the people, uh, I, I just love the quote from Orwell. 
are all people are equal but more be uh, but some are more equal yeah. which you can put on so many topics and it's just a really good quote also <laughs> really like post material uh, so yeah the law in the end effect the law also reflects uh, the pe ones the people who are writing it and in a longer sense the society and maybe also the pull uh, the voters in theory of course some people who in power place of powers can decide to make a law that just favors some people but in the end effect i think most politicians at least in Austria or in a european sense are looking out for potential voters or potential financiers past present and future than like for like their own power uh power structure because we are think with the european union we have a bit too knit knit tight political system that you can just say yo the police the police uh i i'm the i'm chief of police now and can do what uh, and whatever i say will be done this is the most or european states not that possible or at least not like in a wimp so in the end you have to get the voters on your side but it the but if society is always already looking in like that way or things it's going that way then you will be more um you easier can get the words so with boonland perspective uh it's a small town and i never fit in my father and my mother also they do not fit in there but through my grandma i get a bit of a vibe check vibe check for the village and like the whole thing with migrants and stuff is still relevant for them because they heard in corners that or from from the cousin of a friend uh, who's married to the second sister of that and whom that there have been again like some people coming over the border and stuff and like you you have to be careful when you go out oh if you go walk around and stuff uh so that's that's not only what they think for this but it also reflects probably the broader society in which they live because they are integrated parts of the village they would wouldn't talk with people if they weren't integrated in this society because those who know better or think different will will probably just say Eh, I, I know better, I, I might say a bit, but I don't want like the whole village on my bad side because I still live here. Yeah, schauen wir mal, in good Austrian sense. So, yeah, um, I don't know where I wanted to go, but yeah, society is pretty complicated uh, and you don't, and even without social media, you are in your own little bubble. One of the things, uh, and I think we'll kind of conclude with some of this, yeah. is one of the things I wanted uh, to point out is, I think, a theme in your discussion and also in your work is the, the actual fragility of things that are seen by the larger society as extremely stable things. Yes. And it kind of came out to me when you were talking about um, your parents' experience coming from former Yugoslavia. Yeah. Um, 
and having that baked into sort of your DNA, this idea that, you know, a world could look like this and then on a dime mm -hmm. it could just completely yeah. flip and not exist that way anymore. And it again popped up when you were talking about um, the EU being almost like too big to fail, right? Like this yeah. idea that we're so big, so safe, yeah. so tight knit that hopefully it'll yeah. stick together. I mean, I think one thing that especially people uh, in North America don't fully understand is how much radical change Europe has gone through, Western yeah. Europe has gone through in the last, like, let's say 50 years. Yes. Radical, radical yes. change. Um, and then there's the radical change of your yourself as an mm -hmm. individual. And then there's this radical change that's happening in your art. There's this radical and somewhat ca catastrophic change in your inspiration with this, mm -hmm. like, massive fire. Um, how do you, what would be in your utopia, mm -hmm. in your dreams? Mm -hmm the radical change you wish to see? Mm, that's hard to say because like I'm testing political or so social ideas in work but like going from different angles um, like, like with more a uh, real politics standpoint I really wish that also with Ukraine crisis I think it's getting the right way again that the EU stops its uh, stagnation it had since uh, since the failure of the uh, Amsterdam protocols or something which Amsterdam, uh, Amsterdam contracts okay. so mid um, uh, so around the time the uh, former Eastern Bloc, Bloc states came into the EU uh, the was movements for next big contract that should bring uh, the EU further into a federal state, mm. but it failed. It first failed in England, and then that whole triggered a failure of ratification in multiple states, mm. which then led to the Lisbon Agreement, mm. which is a watered down version of that. And in my opinion, from what I've seen, what I heard, it's like the European. After, base with uh, so um, after the failure, they didn't do a lot of change or more reacted to what happens instead of doing something for the future. And I really want, uh, I really, I only see a uh, increased, increased uh, wealth for the people in this current system if the EU gets federalized. Because national, uh, because nationalism is the crack of the people, and it's the what of the people. Crack, crack. <laughs> it's I made this quote based on a saying from quote from Marx, who said once, uh, "Religion is the opi opium, opium of the, the of the masses." Yes, and so nationalism is the crack of of the masses because it sounds good, it's like really cheap. But it will fuck you up so hard you will stab your neighbor for a quick buck, <laughs> and you just look have to look at the nineteen thirties forties to see what nationalism, see what, what happens. Yes. So yeah, I really think national in current current system, EU has really good system. It has a lot of flaws, especially if you go like lobbyism and stuff uh, but it has the potential if enough people push that it gets 
more democratic and more federalized because I think uh, democracy should uh, democracy should be for by the people for the people from the people so the politicians aren't just somebody who wants to be a politician but somebody who wants to represent their people be it their village be it their district be it their uh, be it their state do you think it's possible to be queer and apolitical uh no okay. i'm sorry we don't yeah, live in this world we don't live in this world yeah. you, you can't be cis male and apolitical because you have yeah. everything what you can want yeah. the, the the you see how much privilege you have or how easy you have if you you, if you turn from cis cis head to a uh, white wh- 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 person to queer person uh, to a queer person or just change your whole society uh, your whole societal standing you see really really fast how much or uh, how, how much uh, of a privilege you had <laughs> so how do we find you how do we follow your work okay. how do we see your art? <laughs> Of course, I want yeah, you sure. to give me some answers sure, sure. so that I yeah, also yeah. Like, show people that like, how would people go on to... So the fastest way would be to go to my card, as a bloody card, uh, which is uh, Aurelian with double E uh, dot uh, card with double... How do they write it? It's like an external side. Um, with double R dot um, no, I have a QR code on here. Yeah, uh, so uh, let's skip the. Let's skip. So it's Aurelian. So A U R E. Yes, Aurelian. Aurelian. You find. A U R E E L I A N, and that's the Instagram. That is the YouTube. That's uh, that's the Twitch. That's the Etsy, and you find further links through there. Awesome. Yes. Artist, content creator, and travelogger. Yes, creative uh, mess. Creative mess. <laughs> yes. Creative chaos. I, I'm, I'm ch- just the, the burning dumpster fire of creativity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. And yeah. it was like such an inspirational um, and wonderful to like talk to you yes. and have this like download of all of the things that you've been learning yes. and thinking about, it's really yeah. important. I hope it's not too confusing for the listeners. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm going to okay. edit this down to like five minutes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we have to meet again for more five minutes. <laughs> I support. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you have en- enough uh, words for me that you can cut it together and let me say anything you want. Okay, say the queer truth. What is your queer truth? I, I decided uh, to start adding a question and I forgot to do it. So, okay. queer truth. What is your queer truth? Uh, everybody, everybody's queer. Everybody's queer. In any definition you want. <laughs> yeah. Everybody is queer. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you.